everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. New Orleans Pelicans get themselves a hard-fought win. On the road, nonetheless, 103-100 to over the Oklahoma City Thunder as they maintain their position in the Western Conference standings. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III. I'm joined, of course, by the man we call D'Lo. Dawson Iserlo. Got a good show lined up for you today. Bob Marlin, Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach, is going to swing by. Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press going to talk all things McNeese. Cowboys have won two straight. They've improved their standings in the Southland Conference. And then Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, will join us to talk all things Pelicans. Of course, we love to hear from you. Game hotline is always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to lead off today's show talking about the Pellies. They haven't been exceptionally very good on the road this year. Still aren't. 10-18 and 18 on the road now after last night's win, but... They go and take down a team that is good at home and a team that's fighting for playoff positioning just like they are. Oklahoma City is under a rebuild with Sam Presti, and I think they're exceeding expectations. They're punching a little above their weight class so far this season. The Thunder are. The fact that they're even trying to get into the play-in tournament I think is a step in the right direction, but maybe even a season early for the franchise, especially with how they're doing their rebuild. And to be able to go on the road and get a win is always difficult, especially for any team in the Western Conference this year because everyone essentially has a losing record on the road. And they got the job done. Brandon Ingram was very good. 34 points, 3 of 5 from 3, 14 to 24 overall. Also had four rebounds and an assist. So B.I. was hot. He found his stroke early, and that helped the Pels kind of establish a dominant tone to the ball game. And with the exception of the second half, they were really in complete control. Thunder made a game of it in the third and then tried to make a game of it still again in the fourth quarter. But the Pelicans were able to hold on, got a little hairy there in the final seconds. <laughs> and you were like, uh-oh. They are like, oh, no, oh, no. Another blown call, but whatever. Yes, blown, blown call. I mean, I we're six minutes in. Thank you, Kevin Foote. <laughs> Thanks, Foote. 
We're already talking about blow calls. We're only six minutes into the show. <laughs> you working with Kevin and already it's already rubbed off. We don't have an inside of two minutes review option in the in the NBA the way we do in the NFL. You have to have a challenge to challenge a freak an obvious terrible out of bounds call. It was it was terrible call. It was a terrible call. Oh, let's just hope Kevin didn't watch the game. <laughs> he didn't, so don't worry. <laughs> but uh, so they're able to hold on for the win. Bi has a very nice night, and. Valachunas gets them 14 and 8. Alvarado in the starting lineup because they needed to give CJ the night off. He got you 14. He was 6 of 11 from the field. I like Jose's game. Just like it. He's a good fit on this team. And then they get 12 points from Trey Murphy. I'd like Trey Murphy to shoot the ball better. I, I, I know that's easier said than done, and he's a second-year guy. But there are nights where you go, has to take a lot of shots just to barely get to double-digit points. They got to work on that. And I know he's getting better. He took strides at the end of his rookie season. He's taking strides this season. But I, I'd, like, I'd, like the, I'd, like the, I'd like the field goal percentage and the three-point percentage to be a little bit, maybe not necessarily higher, but a little bit more consistent. They're not getting him great looks. I will say that. And last That's fair. Night, That's fair. And I think obviously Zion. It's to the point now where it's been long enough where it's like okay, you know, you have to make an adjustment to it. But Zion, it, it's it just helps everybody when everyone collapses in on him and the shooters get way better looks when he's in there. But. That's not going to be a thing for a while, so I guess they need to figure it out else. You know, which you got to figure it out. Last year they did down the stretch. That's what we keep waiting for, and I'm hoping you know, last night was kind of a sign of things because you know this team was pretty good without him down the stretch last year, but for some reason feels like they can't get back to that level. They Even rallied, with back now, they rallied to make the play-in tournament and then won. So they know how to win without Zion on the on the court. I, I do believe they've been struggling trying to figure that out. Right, it's and maybe it's part of it is okay. Do we want to tweak our offense, in particular the way we play offense, so much so to go back to what we used to do? Maybe there's trepidation there because they don't want to get into that mindset because they're thinking, oh, Zion's going to be back right around the corner. Well, as we know now, that's not happening. Three other starters in double digits, which was nice to see. But we can talk about Richardson. First game action since the trade. And he just comes in. He says, I got this. Like, just right off the bat. What do you have, five steals? He had five steals, two blocks, two rebounds, three assists, and ten points. Like, okay, this guy can do a little bit of everything. And if you're a coach... That's the perfect player that you love to come off the bench. Because no matter what the situation may be in the game, Dawson, you got a guy that can handle it. Oh, you can play defense? Great. In there. Put you on this guy. Oh, you know what? He can also score buckets, so I don't have to worry about subbing him out. Great. Now I can leave you in there. And he got 34 minutes last night. That also shows me that they're trying to get him as much many reps as possible to incorporate him into what they want to do. First game in the new uni, 34 minutes. That shows a lot of confidence in him 
and he stepped up in a big way. Really did. I was impressed. Yeah, it feels like maybe he's um, a little bit more of an impact guy than we thought. Now, maybe he played extra minutes because McCullum was out and things like that. But Obviously, right. If he's going to give you what he gave you last night, that could be it. You know, it's already – we talked about Devontae Graham wasn't giving you much in the first place, and Richardson's a huge defensive upgrade no matter how he plays on offense. And it feels like, you know – he can probably give you just about what Devontae gave you offensively as well, if not more. So uh, should overall be an upgrade. And again, while especially while Zion's still out, this could he could be a guy to help you win some games. Yeah, because last night, because uh, you gave CJ rest, you went with Alvarado and Murphy, right? Jose ran the point for you. And Kyra Lewis came off the bench, only played 19 minutes. You gave Richardson, but Kyra, they're lining up more of a point guard. Which, I still don't quite know if that's the best spot for him because Kyra's game is a little bit interesting where he's not your traditional point. He's more of a combo guard. But this team does a nice job of doing that anyway because CJ was never really a point guard either. And they, he he's made the transition to being a point guard that doesn't necessarily have the prototypical point guard skills, if that makes any sense. And it's worked. And CJ's been able to adjust his game to that. Yeah, I, I know I know Jose has his limitations, you know, size-wise, and, you know, they like the spark off the bench, but I like the look of this team when he runs point, honestly. And, like, I would not be opposed to a lineup down the stretch that moves CJ back to the two. Alvarado's playing more point. And you have Trey come off the bench. Yeah, and, you know, some type of look like that. Now, you still – that would also mean Herb Jones would also be coming off the bench if you were going to play then, of course, Ingram, Zion, and Valanchunas. Or maybe you go smaller some games and have, you know, Zion in the five. Now, we're talking about Zion like he's ever going to be there. I'm hoping that's actually going to happen. But Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But uh, I don't know. I just like the uh, – I, I, I've always been cautious of a team that doesn't have a true point guard, and I feel like C.J. – is never going to be that. And the Pelicans tried to do it with Drew Holiday for a long time, too. And it was like, for a long time. you know, he wasn't ever fully comfortable there. So it's like if you have a guy who's stepping up and, and is capable of being in that point guard role, uh, which it's interesting, too, because even when Jose closes sometimes anyway, even when he's not starting, they'll still True. play him down the stretch. So it's not like they don't do it. But I like that lineup, and I would I would like to see what it would look like, again, in this fantasy world where the Pelicans were actually healthy with Zion and everyone in there. I'd, I'd like to see what it looked like. With the win, they maintain their position. They're in seventh place right now in the Western Conference, and they've been have now gone four and six in their last ten. And you look at the standings, and it's, of course, as we've talked a lot about on the show, it's a log jam, and in particular down at the end of the – teams that are going to bypass the play-in tournament and then the play-in tournament team. So right now, Phoenix is at fourth, okay? And then a half game behind them is Dallas and the Los Angeles Clippers. A full game behind them are the Pelicans. A full game behind, a full game behind the Clippers. I'm sorry, a full game behind. There's Phoenix at four. A half game behind them is Dallas and L.A. Oh, 
half half game behind Dallas and L.A. are the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. And then a half game behind them is Golden State. And then a game behind that is Utah and Portland. So And, and now Oklahoma City's down. So it's a huge log jam there in the Western Conference standings. I do believe you're starting to see some separation here from the top three a little bit. Phoenix is now up to four. I would expect them once Durant to get all that figured out with what that's going to look like on the court. We feel like they'll emerge as one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference. So that leads us to our poll question of the day. With the news coming out about Zion, going to be missing additional time, weeks, plural, after the break. By the way, the Pelicans' final game before the break is Thursday. Or no, sorry, Wednesday at the Lakers. What is the expectation now for the Pellies? What should the expectation now be for the Pelicans? There was a time where we asked the same poll question and overwhelmingly the results were should be a top four seed in the West. Because at the time they were the number one seed in the Western Conference standings. Now they're seventh in a log jam with a bunch of other teams. But not getting Zion back for weeks, and there's only, what, 24 games left? Because remember, the all-star break in the NBA is not the halfway point. It's actually further past the halfway point for the regular season. So we may not see him at all. Like, like there's a distinct possibility because it's a re-aggravation of a hamstring injury. There's a good possibility that we may not see Zion at all the rest of the regular season. So what should the expectations now be for this team? Should it be still, hey, they'll figure it out. They got a good coach. They have some nice players, even without Zion. They'll figure it out. They can still be a top four seed because of the logjam. Should the expectations be top six? Avoid the playing tournament. Somehow sneak up in there, get the five or the six spot, and avoid the playing tournament. Or should the expectations be now, it's the playing tournament. Just like it was last year. That this team is fighting for one of those four spots, seven through ten, for the play-in tournament for the Western Conference. That's our poll question of the day. Go vote on it. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout today's show. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and Company coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. With the Zion injury news, what should the Pelicans' expectations be for the rest of the season? That's our poll question of the day, and we also want to hear from you. Game hotlines open 337-706-0111. That's 
706-0111. What should the Pelicans' expectations be for the rest of the season? Earn a top four seed, earn a top six seed, or just simply make the play-in tournament? I think the realistic expectation for this team is somewhere between earn a top six seed and avoid the play-in tournament or have to play in the play-in tournament. Because the log jam is what it is in the standings. I expect Phoenix to continue to ascend, so I don't believe New Orleans is going to be able to catch the Suns. I just don't see that as a realistic opportunity. Team's not getting a top four seed. Not getting a top four seed. Because not only do you have to try to catch Phoenix and Dallas and all those teams you made acquisitions, you still have to stay ahead of Golden State. And so, yeah, it's not top four is not happening. Have to stay in front of Golden State, Minnesota, Clippers, and the Mavericks. I don't see that happening. Now, that said, I think earn a top four seed is out of the realm of possibilities. Could they still sneak in as a six? Yeah. Because because I, once again, we documented that in the opening segment when we got on the air this morning here on RP3 and Company was Phoenix right now is nine games behind Denver. The Nuggets are just rolling. But then a half game behind the Suns is the Mavericks and the Clippers at 31 and 28. And then that's the Pelicans at 30 and 28 and the Timberwolves at 31 and 29. So I could see them because everyone is so jammed up that the Pelicans could be at six. I really could. I could also see them go all the way down to 10. Right? So... I think that's where I'm at. Where I feel about this team, though, is I feel like other teams improved themselves. It just feels like the Pelicans are going to be in the playing tournament. That's what it feels like to me. Knowing now that Zion is not going to come back for a few weeks, which means... Okay, we have, what, 24, 25 games left in the season, the regular season. Let's say he misses two more weeks after the break because that's what David Griffin essentially told us, that he's going to miss a couple weeks and be reevaluated a couple weeks after the All-Star break. So we're not even counting the All-Star break as essentially rest in this equation. It's two weeks after. What are we looking at for this team? Like, that's my other question is, okay, so he's going to miss, what, half of the rest of the games? That That's the that's the most optimistic scenario, uh, scenario is that Zion is going to miss the 24 games they have left. He's going to miss half of them. And then on top of it, if he does, best case scenario, he only misses half of the games. And he can come back. Well, he's going to be limited because he's coming off a hamstring injury. It's not as if he's going to go out there and be able to play 35 minutes. It's not going to happen. And then you got to have to figure out how to play him with a minutes restriction with everyone else on the floor. Well, the other that's the other issue I was going to say. This team's already kind of showed you that they, they usually struggle 
to reincorporate somebody. We saw it with yes. Ingram, and it's happened almost every time that those guys have been hurt and come even, back. E- e- even when Herb was out, it took him a while to incorporate back him back into it as well. Yeah, so so to even expect, like you're saying, and, and I'm even – I look, every time – he's never come back ahead of schedule, and he's already – so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking maybe he maybe he plays 10 games the rest of the way, regular season-wise – and that's and that's being optimistic. And so if he plays 10 games, I'm counting the games here. Is he, you know, now ideally he's going to kind of be caught back up around the 6 to 8 game mark and maybe he plays you a handful of games the rest of the regular season and then is full go for the playoffs, but it's just I mean, who's to say that he's going to play again at all in the regular season like you're saying? So it's, and even if he does. So yeah, that's what this team has to figure out how to win without him and then hopefully him coming back as a bonus heading into the playoffs. That's their best case scenario. They have 24 games left, including the game against the Lakers tomorrow night. So they'll have 23 games after the break. He's going to miss at least two weeks of that. So let's just let's just look at it. So that means if he's going to miss two weeks of the regular season after the break, that means he's going to miss at Toronto, at New York, at home versus Orlando at Portland, at Golden State, and maybe against at Sacramento. Maybe. And then at, and then it's versus Dallas. So you have some key games here for standing purposes, right? I don't really care about what happens against the Eastern Conference teams. But at Golden State, at Sacramento, probably not going to have him play on a road trip, even if he can come back. Typically, you're probably going to want to ease him back at home. So we're looking at Wednesday, March the 8th versus the Mavericks. As best case scenario of when we're first going to see Zion. And then they have a stretch here where everyone's like, well, the the schedule gets easier. Okay. Let's say I buy that. Let's say I buy into this narrative. Well, now I'm looking at the schedule. Oklahoma City's fighting to be in the play-in tournament. They're scrappy. We found that out last night, right? So they still got to play, in the month of March, they still have to play Golden State, Sacramento, Dallas, OKC. You have no idea what the Lakers are going to be like, so that's a wild card. They could be garbage, or they could be really trying to fight to get into the play-in tournament. A couple games at Houston two games in three days at Houston. Okay, well, that's, that's that's promising. Spurs, but then you still have to play at the Clippers, at Golden State, at Denver, versus the Clippers, versus Sacramento, versus Memphis, and at Minnesota. Those, I, don't, I don't see a ton of wins on that schedule. They're gimme games. They're all going to have to be dogfights, it feels like. Well, that's why I, I haven't really bought the narrative that the Pelicans have the easiest schedule remaining because everyone is so close anyway. So if you're, yeah, they're not No one's going to be top- resting, right? No one's going to be resting players for the playoffs because everyone's going to be vying for playoff position. And no one's that bad anyway. There's, there's two there or three is. teams in the entire league that are bad, and then Houston. that's it. And especially in the Western Conference, yeah, you've got you've got a couple of teams, and then in like last night, Oklahoma City is one of the you know quote unquote worst teams in the Western Conference. They're two games worse than you. Like they're not a bad team; they're just towards the bottom. So when you say yeah, the schedule's easier, it just means they have a few more games against the middle of the pack teams than they do against the top ranked teams. 
but you still have to. And again, a lot of those middle of the pack teams just got a lot better. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I concerned, but they do have an opportunity to figure things out. And now that Bi looks like he's back in full swing, he looks like he's back to himself. You get that all-star break as well to hopefully kind of get everything fully together. Josh Richardson gets a chance to kind of get more integrated in the roster, and hopefully when you come back from the all-star break, you start playing really well. But that's, you know, it, it is going to be very – top four is out of the question, and I think, yeah, top six is still going to be difficult, but it, it's it's achievable. And a lot of those games that I mentioned are on the road. That's the other part of that. Minnesota, Denver, Golden State, the Clippers, Sacramento, a lot of those games are on the road. Ugh. Poll question of the day, what should the Pelicans' expectations be for the rest of the season? Earn a top four seed, earn a top six seed, or make the play-in tournament right now. 56% of you say earn a top six seed is the most realistic expectations. 28% are still optimistic that they can earn a top four seed. 16% of you say make the play-in tournament. Ralph on Twitter says, just depends on their health. If Zion's hammy doesn't stop hanging out with Mike Thomas's toe, we may never see their ceiling. That hamstring is tighter than Millbourne Drysdale. Salty Steve says, without Zion, the Pels couldn't make the donuts, much less the playoffs. I see another overall number one wasted in NOLA. Stop picking injured players before they come to the NBA. Ton on Twitter says, top four is possible. Top six is more feasible and play-in would be a travesty. I know injuries play a part. But have they tried virgin sacrifices at a volcano? Just kidding. But seriously, something's got to give. And I don't mean Zion's hammy. I swear. It's like Nola. Side. Wait, wait. John Paul says a top four seed is not at all out of the question unless Zion and BI keep getting hurt, then top six. See, John Paul's a little bit more optimistic. But I don't know, man. It, getting like five or the six seed and maybe get into the playing tournament. That's where I think this team's at. And I, I agree with Dawson. The back end of that schedule isn't as, as easy as everyone. Yeah, they played the Rockets. Okay, great. But they play some good teams out of the East, too. It's not like they're playing the worst of the worst here. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, Huh. Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC early. This news broke over the weekend or right, right as the weekend began. We haven't had a chance to dive into it. Dawson and I will do that next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oklahoma, Texas, headed to the SEC a year early. This happened 
late last week, but we were so jam-packed gearing up for Super Bowl 57 that we didn't have a chance to tackle the subject properly. Expected this to happen. I remember when the news broke of this happening at Sunbelt Media, <clears throat> Sunbelt Conference Media Days in New Orleans. And we talked a lot about what was happening with the SEC at Sunbelt Conference Media Day that year. As expected, very well-paid lawyers got involved to figure out how to leave early. And so much so that the Big 12 was like, yeah, we'd like you to leave early too, right? It finally got to the point where both sides, Oklahoma and Texas, wanted to leave a year early instead of waiting until 2025. They'll be joining the SEC in 2024. And the Big 12 Conference, after locking up their new additions, by the way, they'll have 14 teams this year, and then they'll go back down to 12. They said, you know what, it's time. So the, the sides agreed, and the buyouts have been taken care of, <clears throat> and now we'll have Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. Just like the same time that Big Ten will be expanding with its additions of adding USC and UCLA for 2024 as well. So this is going to force the SEC to have to redo its model. And there's been lots of chatter. Nothing has been finalized yet of how they're going to do things. It feels like to me, Dawson, that we're going to have nine regular season conference games in the SEC. That's what it feels like the Power Five conferences are going to, period. So I'll give you, for example, McNeese is playing at Florida this coming season. They're scheduled to play Texas A&M in 2024. I don't believe that game will happen. Because what's going to happen is that the SEC is going to go to nine regular season games. That's going to leave essentially one money game for them to give money to an opponent. And I, what I think the SEC is going to do, I, don't, I think they're going to eliminate FCS games altogether. You're not going to see Alabama play Mercer. You're not going to see LSU play McNeese. You're not going to see those games anymore. I think they're going to go by the wayside. And instead, the SEC will probably have some sort of handshake deal with the Sun Belt, which, by the way, they share their officiating commissioner and they're in the same footprint. A lot of what the SEC does, the Sun Belt usually follows. There's probably going to be some type of agreement where the one non-conference game will be against a team from a group of five conference instead of the FCS. That's what I think is going to happen. I also think that we're not going to have divisions. I don't think we're going to have divisions anymore when it comes to these major college, uh, college, in particular college football conferences. I just don't think you are. Well, you'll still have three non-conference games with the nine. So you can, st I mean, if they want to get rid of FCS, they can. And make I think a mandate, they're going to. I think they're going to. Um, and then probably play, yeah. So then in those situations, they'd probably play one or two Power Five games and one or two Group of Five games, depending on how the schools wanted to do it. Correct. And again, that might also be mandated. What we might also see is some sort of, like we see in basketball, the Big Ten SEC crossover events or whatever the different, you know, kind of changes each year. It probably won't be against the Big 12. Yeah. so It's probably going to be the ACC. So you might see kind of a permanent trading of opponent. That way, just making it easier for, you know, commissioner, I mean, uh, for ADs to schedule, we could see something like that. But I definitely think you'll see the pod system where you'll have four team, four pods of four to get to your 16 total. 
um, and you'll play everyone in your th- in your pod every year. Correct. Maybe your a three, crossover rival. What they're calling your three permanent opponents. Right. Right. And then you have the crossovers. Um, some people don't like the pod system. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't because you get your three biggest rivals, essentially, is how that would work. You play them every year. And then you would do a rotation. So, you know, a lot of LSU fans are tired of playing Florida every year. They don't think it's fair because, you know, other teams like, say, Alabama only has to play Tennessee. Well, now you change that because, say, for Alabama's sake, two of their three permanent opponents would be Auburn and Tennessee because those are their longest rivalries. Then you got to figure out who the third team is going to be for Alabama. Is it going to be LSU? Or is it going to be Mississippi State, who, by the way, they've played more than any team ever, by the way, is Mississippi State, Alabama. For LSU, LSU's in a weird spot when it comes to who their permanent opponents are going to be. Because they could go in a multitude of different ways. You feel like Ole Miss is going to be one of them. You feel like Texas A&M is going to be the second. At least that's how it feels to me. Who's the third? Is it Arkansas? Is it Alabama? Could you say, you know what, we're going to keep it spicy. Let's make it Oklahoma. Like Because of where they're at regionally, because the, the opponents also is somewhat based on the, a lot of the early kind of models of the permanent opponents, is really based on geography as well, right? What's closest to you? Well, Alabama's not close to LSU not compared to the other teams that you could have them play. So what do you do there? That's interesting to me. Well, that's also part of the reason that I don't like that you're creating a 16-team conference really for no reason other than money and power. But <laughs> it's yes. not really a conference anymore. It's like a small, you know. It's a league. It's a it's a subdivision within. Yeah. Because now, again, you're not going to be playing, which in the in the name of fairness – the most fair way to do it would just be to play everyone on a rotating basis, and basically you kind of rotate out. You play, if it's eight or nine conference games a year, whatever it is, you rotate everyone in and out. You play everyone, so you'd end up playing everyone, you know, two out of every three or four years, whatever it would be. But they're probably not going to do that because logistically it's a little bit tougher, but I just can't. That's why I'm not a fan of any of the, the realignment the way it is. I wish conferences were capped at 12, honestly. I think it would be perfect if every conference now – it. That's not how it shook out, and that's never going to be how it is because now... Well, greed's taken over. Right. So, yeah. But it's just, again, like when you're sitting there going, well, it's not fair for us to play those teams. Every-. Well, it's just never going to work out because you can't play 15 conference games, and that's how many you'd have to play to play everybody. So, like, it doesn't... It just doesn't work out anymore. It doesn't work out anymore. And then you look at with adding Texas and Oklahoma. So, what do you do with Oklahoma with their permanent opponents? Do you just go old Southwest Conference and say, okay, Oklahoma, you play Texas, Arkansas, and Texas A&M every year? Those are your three. Well, again, Because that would go back to old rivalries in the Big 12 and old rivalries in the old Southwest Conference, right? So you're, you're keeping that going. And for Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Texas A&M makes a lot of sense regionally, too as part of those three permanent opponents, Texas would be Oklahoma, Arkansas, and A&M. So Texas, Oklahoma kind of take care of themselves, right, with the scheduling. And Arkansas would love that because the fan base would love that because they get to play their old rivals every single year that they had for generations before they joined the SEC. 
Well, you already have like a pretty, a somewhat unbalanced at times system when it was divisions where everyone has to play everyone, but at least it's only two halves. And so it's, and, and the divisions, you know, the power can kind of rotate because we've seen Georgia rise up and basically be the equivalent of Bama on the other side. But when you, we create a pod system and the argument against it, in which I, I really agree with, is it's never going to be fully fair. The reason it works in divisions in the NFL is because everyone is under, again, the same construct, the same salary Correct. cap. But somebody's going to have to play Bama every year, and on the other hand, somebody's going to get to play Vandy every year. And so, yes. like, no matter how you do it, it's not going to be competitively balanced. It never will be. And yeah, some you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows where teams are going to LSU might come up and have a you know a five year run of dominance where it's really unfair to whoever has to play them. But in general, your Bamas and your you know blue blood programs mm-hmm. are always going to have more resources and you know more capabilities than Vanderbilt and. The rest of the bottom feeders. So it and you have to figure it out too because it's not as simple. Like I just said, well, Oklahoma and Texas take care of themselves. Well, you have Missouri too in that region. So you're going to have to add them to the mix. So how do you do that, right? So maybe Arkansas plays Oklahoma, Texas, and Missouri every year. Well, then that means Arkansas is not part of the LSU footprint. Right. So then you go, okay, well, so Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas can't be what they do with LSU. We know LSU could play AM, Ole Miss. Do you just say play Mississippi State? You could do that. So they gonna have to they're gonna have to figure that out, and they'll more than likely do that in the next what four or five months. That they'll they'll have their people, their scheduling people get together and go, okay, how how we're gonna do this. But you're right, not everyone gets to play Vandy. Right? Every year. That's not how it's going to work. Now, you will get to see Vandy more often because of the rotation of the pods. Right? But but here's the bigger thing. The SEC won't care. Like, for them, they'll be like, okay, well, yeah, you... Let, let, let's say LSU's dominant for five years. And that's not fair to A&M or Texas. Okay, well, if A&M and Texas are still really good and their only losses are to LSU, that gives more teams in the college football playoffs for the SEC. That's what it boils down to, right? They see the expansion of the college football playoff, and they're like, okay, well, let's just create a super conference. That way we can get four, five, six, seven teams into the playoff every year. And yeah, three loss teams from the SEC are going to be in the playoff, by the way. Letting you know that's happening now. Just get prepared. Alabama nearly made the playoff this year, and they didn't even win their own division. They had two losses. It's happening. That's you what's going to happen. The best thing to come out of all of this is that the Big 12 will have 12 teams again, and then I can sleep at night. <laughs> the Big 10 will still be messed up completely <laughs> with 14 or whatever, well, but at the least, Big 12 at, will have 12. At least they don't do the leaders and whatever. Le- the, I like the leaders and the legends divisions. Oh, there's so Let's create just names that have nothing to do with anything. Let's just have like the table division and the... And the countertop division. The trash can division and the dumpster division. I love it. Look, they'll figure it out. Expansion's coming. It's happening. So 2024, Texas and Oklahoma are part of the SEC. We'll see what they do with those schedules in the next few months. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 
Niner five. Six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What should the Pelicans' expectations be for the rest of the season now that we know Zion's going to miss at least a few more weeks after the All-Star break? Once again, the Pellies wrap up their pre-All-Star break schedule tomorrow night at Los Angeles versus the Lakers. And then they have 23 games after that. They currently sit at 7 in the standings. There is a log jam. So what should the Pelicans' expectations be for the rest of the season, knowing that Zion's probably going to miss half of what's left? At least half of what's left. Right now, 50% of you say, earn a top six seed. Battle it out, get into the top six. 25% say, earn a top four seed. 25% of you now say, make the play-in tournament. B-Rad on Twitter says, we should have known Mr. Glass couldn't make it through half the season if the rest of the team can stay healthy, then the four or five is attainable. Hart on Twitter says, top six, this team's proven they don't need Z to play great ball, just inconsistent with all the rotation. God forbid if B.I. gets re-injured, my answer would change. People scoffed when we traded for Richardson, but he's great all-around plug-in player to pick up slack on off nights. t Wirt said, at what point do they learn from A.D.? Doesn't matter how good the player that's never on the court could be. Hashtag could have had jaw. T-Words then also says, we like drafting Sam Bowie and Greg Odens. A serious joke I make. I know there's no exact science or crystal ball. Yeah, okay. Can I interrupt there? Like, Zion did not have, like, a crazy long injury history in college. So, like, to go back and say, oh, you should have just not taken him. He's always hurt. He had one ankle injury where his shoe blew out. Exploded his shoe, yes. It's not like the guy missed. He played almost the entire season at Duke his only year there. So I just don't like how we're going back and saying, well, you should have just not drafted him. You should have took job. I mean, he was right there. Okay. Go back in time and do it then. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Saltiness from D-Lo to wrap up hour number one. Hour number two coming up here on RP3 Company. Oh, yeah. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We got nothing but great news here on RP3 and Company this morning. We spent hour number one talking about the Pellies getting a hard-fought road win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. B.I. went off for 34 points. Richardson scored in double digits, had also five steals in his debut for the Pels. Even without Zion Williamson, they're trying to be scrappy. They're trying to get the job done, and they did so last night in their next-to-last game before the All-Star break. That game is actually tomorrow night 
at the Los Angeles Lakers, and they sit currently seventh place in the Western Conference standings. That leads us to our poll question of the day. What do you think the realistic expectations should be now for this team as we head to the break with knowing that Zion Williamson will likely miss half of the rest of the season, and that is an optimistic outlook? Top four seed, top six seed, or play-in tournament? We also talked about realignment. Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC a year early. That'll happen next year. What is that going to look like? What are the permanent opponents going to look like? We talked a lot about that. Dawson, a.k.a. D'Lo, got a little fired up there at the end of hour number one. Got a little, got a little vigor there. So we're going to build off of that vigorness that he displayed because Got some more positive news concerning New Orleans sports franchises. Albert Breer is reporting this. Quote, another quarterback to watch in free agency for the New Orleans Saints would be none other than Baker Mayfield, Kevin Foote's favorite player. The Saints staff was high on Mayfield ahead of the 2018 draft. Dawson and those old draft evals can definitely have an impact down the road with guys as they get older and hit free agency oh now I see other stories here reports Saints are interested in quarterback Baker Mayfield but if you miss out on Derek Carr he'll get cut today if that whining and dining didn't work to get Derek Carr to come to the Saints as a free agent not to worry Baker Mayfield Come on down to New Orleans. Let's go. Lombardi trophy coming. Let's go, bud. Okay, so one theme you'll <laughs> you'll you'll learn this from me pretty quick here. Uh, and you heard about it with Zion and you'll hear about it with Baker is what I don't like to do is let narratives four years later, change the way people are claiming that they originally thought about someone in the past. <laughs> there, it is, there it is. Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. Of course teams thought highly of him. That's right. He was picked first in the draft. He wasn't a third rounder that teams were like, oh, I got this kid from Oklahoma. Maybe he's going to be something. We'll take him in the third round. <laughs> he was the first pick in the draft. So it didn't work out with this first team. Like, And I'm not suggesting that I want Baker Mayfield. And that I think he's better than Derek Carr. Man loves, or is man our best loves Baker Mayfield. Love Baker Mayfield. But like this narrative that they're coming out with now that the Saints were high on him in the draft, so were a lot of teams. It just didn't work out. Like so, a lot of teams were high on Ryan Leaf. It didn't work out. Are they trying to collect former Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks that went number one overall but proved to be bust in the NFL? Is that what they're trying to do? We're getting we're getting on that path, I guess. Hey, were you a number one overall pick who was also a Heisman Trophy winner? Come on down. Come on down to New Orleans. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you this now because I've also a hearty our buddy Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast who will not be able to join us this week because he has a scheduling conflict with work. I wish he was coming on because he just tweeted out something. Please, God, no. Please. <laughs> just no. No. I just. I don't want Baker Mayfield, so let's <laughs> clip that and remember it for later. If that happens, 
I'm just well. That- Foot is going to have a stroke. I'm letting you know now because he has ranted and raved about Baker Mayfield for years. And if that cat gets on the Saints roster, I'm telling you, we will have EMT standing by if that happens. For my mental health, we probably need to avoid that scenario of Baker Mayfield coming. But what I'm what I want to say and prepare Saints fans for. Here it is. And I don't want to be in doom and gloom. Here it is. But we we this is something we've kind of. Me and Foot have thrown around. Me and you have thrown around. If you don't get Derek Carr, which again, there's a pretty good chance that you don't, this whether is or not you think, then there's real like Baker Mayfield to me is like in the top five of your next options. He's not. I'm not saying he's the guy you go sell the farm for, but there's nobody out there. So again, who do you want? Do you want Teddy Bridgewater? Do you mm-hmm. want? I mean, here's your free agent quarterbacks because Derek Carr is not technically a free agent right now. He will be cut. Right? He's going to get cut today from the Raiders. All right. Brady has retired. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, Mike White, Taylor Heineke, Blaine Gabbert. Nick Mullins, these are your options, my man. You know, when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I went to the Superdome, watched Tulane play Houston, and Case Keenum put up 73 points in like 700 yards. So, you know what? Maybe he bring, Maybe he's just got something about being in the Superdome. Maybe you bring that energy back. What is he, like 37, 38 years old? Only Jimmy, Jimmy G and Derek Carr are going to get overpaid to be someone's starting franchise quarterback. So that's going to set the market, right? Which means a lot of these guys who are, let's be honest, at best are fourth-tier quarterbacks in the NFL are going to get paid because people are going to be desperate for bridge quarterbacks or are going to be desperate just to have someone. So you're best after Jimmy G and Derek Carr, if you don't get those guys, is Jacoby Brissett, Mason Rudolph, Teddy Two Gloves, Baker Mayfield. Like... You're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. You just are. So if you don't convince Derek Carr to come, apparently the backup plan is Baker Mayfield. You're welcome, Houdat Nation. You're welcome for that from yours truly. Good day to you. <laughs> Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Randy, to the show. Randy, good morning, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing just fine. I, I wanted to talk about the Pelicans, but you bring up Baker Mayfield. Um, here, here's the thing. Now, last year, around this time, maybe a little later, when the Saints went and got heinous Jameis, I was like, oh, my God, what are they thinking? But a lot of people were delusional, and they're going, Super Bowl. That, that, you're talking about a guy who's been to the playoffs once in his entire career, and that was his third string behind Drew Brees and Taste Mill. Baker Mayfield at least has led his team to the playoffs. I'd much rather have Baker Mayfield than Jameis Winston. But the narrative is completely upside down here. And, I, you know, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get why. I, obviously, the season's a long ways off. So it's a good time to be delusional either on the good or the bad side. But, uh, you think, well, but Randy, think, Randy, you, you, you think Baker Mayfield's a good option as a starting quarterback in the NFL? 
No, but he's better than Jameis Winston by a long shot. I don't know. I mean, last year everybody was talking about Jameis Winston like, oh, wow, we got a great one. This is going to be awesome. And, and there was no fact or history to back that up, and it proved out that the coaches decided he spoke and they didn't want him in there. Would you so, rather want I mean, Andy Dalton again, Randy? I would rather actually have Baker Mayfield than Andy Dalton. But, I, I'm I, – Again, we're early on here. Let's look at Derek Carr. Let's look at some of these other guys. That, I mean, you never know. Somebody like Geno Smith, everybody was down on. Turned out to not be so bad up there. In, there we in go. Seattle. All right. I love the optimistic tone. Thank you for your phone call, Randy. Needed that. Thank you, bud. Right. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Johnny. Johnny, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Brother, first time caller to your show. <laughs> When Drew Brees went down, what was Teddy Bridgewater's record? He won a couple of games. No, no, five and zero. Oh. Yeah. Okay. What's but, the problem? But, but Johnny, Johnny, have you seen Teddy play since since would, since not having Sean Payton? Since not having Sean Payton, he is well, not the same. I understand. And I like well, Teddy. Maybe, man. And I like I Teddy. Thank you. All right, buddy. Look, it, it, to be fair, and Johnny brings up a good point, Teddy was very efficient and did a nice job, and he was well-liked in that locker room, right? But Teddy's also had some concussions since then after he's left New Orleans. Look, any of these guys are going to be a Band-Aid, right? None of these guys are going to be your permanent starting quarterback. You, whoever you sign is going to be a bridge guy. You just hope... If you get Derek Carr, you get two or three years out of him before you have to draft a guy or go sign somebody else. When I watch Teddy play without Sean Payton, though, I worry about his game. Like, what I saw in Miami this year gave me pause. Because I was like, well, maybe they could go get Teddy. But then I was like, oh, no. Like, Teddy looks like he's regressed. To me. Yeah, I, I love Teddy, but I do think, like, his best days are behind him. And... That's so. That's another. I, I'm glad you brought up Andy Dalton too, because that's like I would definitely rather have Baker Mayfield than Andy Dalton. At least Baker Mayfield is still. And now it's actually a very good comparison to Jameis Winston. It's a very similar idea here because the idea would be that you're you're banking on this talent that was presented to you in college and that made you the number one pick potential. Yes, but he's never actually put it together. Now again, Baker had one really good season when the Browns went eleven and five. I would also say Baker's had five years and. Most of that was in a fairly dysfunctional Browns organization that had a lot of coaching changes and a lot of different things going on. The past season, I don't know if you really count what he did in Carolina and you know with the Rams because he didn't really get a full chance there either. I don't want Baker Mayfield again, but I would definitely take him over Andy Dalton and I would take him over a lot of the other options that you're going to have. If you don't get Derek Carr, again, I'm still full-blown Derek Carr bandwagon rolling down the, the track. Mayfield's only 27. Right, and that's my point. Like... And again, some of the issues, if you if you subscribe to anything Colin Coward says about small hands and cold weather and small quarterbacks, you get him out of Cleveland, you put him in a dome, you get him on the turf. I it, There's worse options, is all I'm saying. There's worse options. That's, that sounds like uh, a man stumping for Baker Mayfield to come to New Orleans to me. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> now, look, you, you, you mentioned... You know, the 11-5 and five season, that was his third year in Cleveland. 
He had a 26 to 8 touchdown interception ratio. His quarterback rating was 95.9, completed 62.8% of his passes. And what did he have? He had a great run game and a pretty good defense. So, correct. You already know if you're the Saints, even if you get there a car, you already know that part of your blueprint for being successful with a, you know, mid-tier or worse quarterback is going to be figuring the run game back out and having the defense stay at a top level. So, if you give Baker Mayfield that, again, I don't want him so I'm going to keep saying that every five minutes so that it doesn't get attached to my name um, I do think there's worse options and there is a little bit more upside in him than some of the other options out there as well Andy Dalton like has been in the league 15 years he's shown you everything he's going to be we know what he is and it's at least with Baker you have like this somewhat of a you know a ceiling that maybe he hasn't reached yet maybe and here's the other thing we'll wrap it up with this because we got to take a timeout. Beggars can't be choosers. Like, if you don't get Derek Carr, who some people think is wildly overrated and don't know if he can be fixed, but that's your best option. That's the best guy that's going to be on the free agent market. So if you can't get him, and I don't see Jimmy G coming to New Orleans. So this is what you got, right? You got a guy that, yes, he played for the Cleveland Browns and they were dysfunctional. He also didn't endear himself to his teammates all that much and to the coaches. There's a reason why he's looking to be on his fourth team in two years, right? So that's where you're at. You're at Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield land. This is where you're at. If you can't get Derek Carr, you don't have many options. Beggars can't be choosers. You just can't. Which I will also say this. You're not going to like this. If they miss out on Carr, and apparently Baltimore's looked at Baker Mayfield as well because there's a connection there between Andrews, the tight end, and Baker. They're friends, and they would like to have him as an insurance policy, a running quarterback, a guy that can be mobile. Makes a lot of sense in Baltimore, right? So there's talk of Baltimore really courting Baker as well to be a backup there. If you miss out on these guys, you're going to run it back with Andy Dalton. I'm just telling you. They like Andy. They trust Andy. You don't like Andy. Foot doesn't like Andy. Most of the Saints fans don't like Andy. But the Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael, they like Andy Dalton. I'm I think he's a great you. guy. I like him a lot. I just don't like it when he plays football. <laughs> so if you miss out on some of these guys, don't be surprised if the Red Rifle will get to run it back with the Red Rifle. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk with Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Ben's basketball coach. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced <laughs> last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
The Louisiana Raging Cajuns come back home after a tough road trip. They remain tied for second in the Sunbelt Conference standings, 20-6 and six overall, 10-4 and four in Sunbelt Conference play, and they'll get back to action this Thursday night inside the Cajun Dome when they welcome in in-state rival ULM. Tip is set for 7 o'clock, and then they have to go on the road and go to James Madison for a Saturday matchup, which is going to be a very competitive, tough game as well. To break it down for us is the man in charge of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Bob Marlin. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, Raymond. Good to hear that silky smooth voice this morning. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right, so look, it's extremely difficult to win in conference on the road. I don't care who the opponent is. That's always been the case, especially when it comes to conference play. So give me your big takeaways about the two road games this past week, Coach, at Southern Miss, which was a near-sellout crowd, and then, of course, at Troy on Saturday. Well, we said last week that Southern Miss would have a, have a great crowd, and they, they probably had the best Sunbelt environments in West Western Kentucky back in probably 2011 or 12. I mean, it was, it was a great college basketball atmosphere. Uh, did a good job in the first half, and were able to build a 10-point lead and then the second half, we didn't make shots, uh, had one stretch where we didn't make shots. Uh, and it, it summed up the whole second half. Raymond, to be honest, they made five of eight three-point shots in the second half, and we were over 10. So that's 15, 15 points. That's your game right there. We beat them, and the other statistics are matched them. So uh, disappointing. And then we turned around and, Got up the next morning, had our film session, breakfast, uh, hit the road for about four and a half hours to Troy, and got there and had practice and, and you know felt good about everything. And in the second half, the same thing happened. We, we could not shoot the ball. Our worst shooting percentage of the year was against Southern Miss out of 25 games. And then the third worst was against Troy. And they made plays at critical times and got the lead, and, and uh, our defense failed us again. So we've got to regroup. As you said, it's hard to win on the road in conference. Uh, we had five great weeks, 23 win, lost a game. And uh, you lose a couple and uh, bring some concern, but it's nothing that we can't overcome. When that's happening in a game, Coach, you've been doing this a, a long time, and you're noticing that your team just can't get their shots to come down. What can you do as a coach to help your players? Is that where you take a timeout and you just kind of draw up something, or you just pull them off to the side and say, "Hey, you know, just just relax, just you know, you know, you got this." I mean, what's your approach when your guys are maybe struggling to put the the ball in the basket? Well, that's a, a tough feeling, Raymond, as a coach, because you you feel helpless. And when things start going south, and it kind of turns into Murphy's Law, but uh, and it happens uh, from time to time. We've been on both sides of that, but we just have to regroup, um, change personnel, change defenses. But really, it boils down, and we need to or take timeouts, which which I did in both games. But it boils down to the you know we have to play better. Our guys have to play better and, and execute and and have the composure, which we've had most of the year, but we looked like we were tired and we had too many people that didn't play well on 
Saturday. You got to turn the page, obviously, because you still have four games left, still plenty to play for. Regular season championships not out of the realm of possibilities because Southern Miss has some tough road games that they have to deal with, including Old Dominion. Uh, also, seeding for the conference tournament. Want to be one of those top four seeds and get the buys and not have to play till Saturday. And first up is going to be, of course, ULM on Thursday night inside the Cajun Dome. That's going to be Mardi Gras night. Uh, already faced the Warhawks once before, but they're a scrappy bunch. What are some of the challenges ULM is going to present your team Thursday night, Coach? Well, it's just a second go-round similar to Troy. We had told the guys that you know Jordan Brown didn't play against Troy here. We came out and smothered them defensively the first half. If you remember, Raymond scores 28-6. Yeah. And, it, and then they won the second half, actually, and we won by 15. But we said it'll be a totally different game. And Troy also had beaten South Alabama, who they really struggled with over the last few years. They beat those guys on Thursday night, so they were playing with a ton of confidence, and we knew we'd get their best shot. Monroe's similar. We went up there and jumped on them early, and in the second half, we just kind of played even. So uh, we, we've got to be ready for a tough physical game and we've got to execute and and play better on both sides of the ball after thursday though uh i'm not gonna lie to you coach uh as our friend kevin foot would say that the the schedule here is a little paul bon where you have to play at home and then have to travel all the way over to virginia for a saturday game they're going to be at home all week back-to-back games and unlike last week where you played at southern miss then played at troy that's not that far away only about four hours you have to make a cross-country trip. How do you attack that as a head coach with your guys and your staff, knowing that you have to play Thursday night and then turn around and get on a plane and fly across the country on Friday? Well, we've certainly known about this since the schedule came out. And James Madison is finishing with four games at home. Uh, they started with six of eight on the road like we did. They were one of the few uh, teams, one of two teams only, that, that had that uh, dubious honor. But it also uh, presented the fact that they would play at home late. So we'll have to regroup. Every team has had a split weekend, Raymond. Uh, some are easier than others. Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern plays at Southern Miss, and Southern Miss is split weekend as they go to Mobile. So that's not quite that's to, not. <laughs> no, that's that's not. to Virginia, but – no, we, we actually uh, have been prepared for this for a long time, as I said, since the schedule was released. And we have uh, gotten a charter flight. And it'll, be the, it'll be the first charter flight since I've been here that uh, will take us Friday around lunchtime. And we'll better get in there and get a good night's rest and be ready to practice. And then the important part of the charter also is coming back, Raymond, because we We'll get back a little bit earlier, and we've got one less day to prepare because next week's games are Wednesday, Friday. Coach, we'll wrap it up with this. You know, obviously, uh, back-to-back losses, not ideal, but your team still has so much to play for, still so much on the line. Uh, as championships are still on the line here. So what's the message to your guys heading into this final four-game stretch of the regular season? Just to compete, they're in a good place. I mean, they were so disappointed and frustrated with the uh, events that happened on Saturday as well as Thursday. I mean, we were really ready to play in that game Thursday, and and, uh, 
just didn't didn't get it done in the second half. We have to make shots and, and people have to step up, but um, and gave up too many points defensively. But our, our message is to get better, Raymond, and we know that we control our destiny if we can finish out and, and win out. We're assured of second place, and we're also. I think we'll tie. I think still think Southern Miss will lose two games, so we could still be champions. So, uh, and I said this yesterday at the press conference. People have to realize that until you're mathematically eliminated in sport, you have a chance. And our tournament run indicated that last year. So, just trying to get the guys upbeat. We need to have a great practice today, and I feel we will. Coach, appreciate your time as always. Best of luck this week. See you out there on Thursday night. Thanks, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Me, oh, my crawfish pie. Happy Valentine's Day. Fellas, if you forgot about your ladies, for me, I have ladies, I have my wife, and I have my daughter. Both of them have already been taken care of. They just don't know it yet. I was I was on top of my game this year. But, fellas, if you haven't, if you didn't take care of your lady, let me go ahead and give you a heads up on something. Uh, reservations for a restaurant? Yeah, you're not going to get any tonight. <laughs> go ahead. The, the, the best case scenario is a 3.30 appointment. So if you didn't get a reservation at a restaurant for you and your lady, if you didn't go take care of her by buying her a gift, you still have time, take an extended lunch break, and take care of your business. Okay? Go get your wife something nice. Your wife, your girlfriend, something nice. Take care of your daughter as well. I recommend some sort of stuffed animal if you have a little girl. That goes over very well at the parts household with my daughter, Hattie, from year to year. Will she get one this year? I don't know. Maybe. But you got to take care of the ladies in your life. Okay? If you haven't got your wife or girlfriend something, go do it right now. Now, you're going to go to the store. I recommend a drugstore. They usually have some a good selection of stuff. At least get her something, man. Don't the, the selection's not going to be optimal. It's not going to be great by any stretch of the imagination, but at least get her something. Don't forget today is Valentine's Day. Take care of those ladies in your life. Just saying. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Reynold to the show. Reynold, good morning, bud. What's on your mind? Good morning. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. There we go. Hey, and I've already given a Valentine's to all of the Saints and Pelicans fans talking about the optimistic future for both franchises. 
So that's well, my gift. Well, you know, uh, 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 we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover that. I tell you what, I took care, I took care of Valentine's yesterday for my wife since I'm traveling today. Smart man. But hey, I'm wishing y'all a happy uh, Valentine's Day, but neither one of you are going to be my Valentine's for two reasons. One, your pronouns are he, him, bro, and dude. <laughs> the second reason the second reason is I have, I have never uh, met either one of you, and I can say with 100% that my wife is more beautiful, <laughs> infinitely beautiful, than either one of you. Uh, you know, I think your wife deserves a better compliment than that, though, bud. <laughs> Because the bar set pretty low there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh man. So okay. So what? If you don't mind me asking, Riddle, what would you do for your uh, your lady yesterday? Well, we just I brought her some uh, some roses and some uh, a little box of candy. We're trying to do keto, so you Ooh, know I brought okay. her some keto stuff and and uh, a, li- a little box of candy just for some something and uh, a card. So there we go. Uh, bud. To be honest with you, you know. Uh, we do Valentine's 306, uh, three, uh, 365 days out the year. So That's my man. That's my man cut. right there. See, everyone out there listening, pay attention. You should be taking notes right now. Yeah, right. Hey, so, after, 30, after 36 years, hey, you got to be creative and you got to do what you got to do. You got to show your lady that you appreciate her even when it's not Valentine's Day, fellas. That's my other piece of advice, and that's what Reynolds trying to tell you there as well. Like last week, I got my wife Tina some flowers. There was no special occasion. It was just me trying to show her that I appreciate her and got her a nice bouquet of flowers, right? It, it, you you can take care of the lady in your life on a random Tuesday. It doesn't have to be Valentine's Day, yeah. fellas. Just saying. Just I've saying. Done, I've done it many times. There it is, bud. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Be safe on your travels, my friend. All right. See, yeah, that's the other part. Got to take care of your lady when it's not Valentine's Day or your anniversary or her birthday or Christmas. Those are expected, right? You get the little calendar reminders and everything like that. You should be taking care of your lady on your anniversary, her birthday, Christmas, and Valentine's Day. But what about a Thursday afternoon in March? Got to make sure that she knows that you appreciate her putting up with your nonsense because let's be honest fellas if you found a lady that is either in a committed relationship with you as a longtime girlfriend or as a fiance or as a wife and she has decided that she's going to spend the rest of her life with you you got to be appreciative because let's be honest, fellas. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Most of us are usually a mess without our lady in our life. And we always have to be like cleaned up. And sometimes we're a project. <laughs> so so if you found a woman, a good woman, that wants to spend, wants, wants to spend her life with you, Man, you got to treat her like a queen, fellas. Stuff. It's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. Come on now. What you doing for your lady? You already got that planned out. 
D'Lo. By the way, ladies, Dawson's off the uh, market. Not yeah, available. we're all good there. Now, not I, available. I yeah, we do Valentine's Day. I just I'm not a fan of social construct holidays that were created to take money for no reason. But we still do it because you have to, you know. But I just want that to be on the record. It's just <laughs> we're gonna. How many other holidays are we gonna create down the line? Oh, it's just the beginning, my friend. Yeah, there's no real. <laughs> You know, reason for it. It's just something we created as a society. It's a, it's a conspiracy. Valentine's Day is a conspiracy. Again, created it should by... be every day that you, you know, are appreciative, right? There but... it is. See, I knew I hired you for a reason. Smart man. Smart man. But yes, fellas, make sure you take care of your lady today. But if you haven't, you know, even if you have or you haven't taken care of her for today, uh, you know, hey, next Tuesday, do something nice as well. Just saying. Just saying. Poll question of the day. We were asking you about, you know, good old the Pelicans. They won last night, but we know that they are not going to have Zion for at least half of the rest of the season after the All-Star break. So what should the Pelicans' expectations be for the rest of the season? Right now, 54% of you say earn a top six seed. 26% say make the play-in tourney, 20% say earn a top four seed and keep those votes coming and keep those comments coming. We'll continue to share them throughout today's show. We also spent time talking about what options do the New Orleans Saints have at quarterback if they don't get Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to get cut by the Raiders today, which means he'll be allowed to sign with whoever he wants to for however much he wants to sign with. We know the Saints wind and dined the Pro Bowl quarterback from the Raiders. But other teams are in need of a quarterback. The Jets, the Panthers, others. And when you look at the free agents, Jimmy G is going to get paid. And Derek Carr is going to get paid. And those guys are really, let's be honest, high third tier, low second tier quarterbacks in the league. So they're going to get paid. But then after that, the options aren't great for who are going to be unrestricted free agents. Let me throw some names out there again because reports are the Saints are interested in Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Baker Mayfield, come on down to New Orleans. Woo, fourth team in two years. Can't wait to see that. But hey, you know what? Let's be positive. Geno Smith turned his career around with Seattle. Why can't Baker Mayfield do the same thing in New Orleans? Let's be positive. We could revive the home insurance commercials with the Dome. I mean, that's easy money. I mean, the Dome is a perfect place to kind of revive that series. I love those commercials. So if we're not enjoying the game, at least we'll have some... We'll have some things to watch in between. Will he bring the tiger he posed with, you know, for his underwear commercials with? Is that going to be a situation? Is he going to bring the tiger to New Orleans? I have questions. So Baker Mayfield is the best of the rest. Let me throw some other names out there for you. Could be game changers. Sam Darnold. Teddy Two Gloves. Case Keenum. Great childhood memory for for D'Lo there. He would be going down the nostalgia avenue to get... It wasn't great, though. I was a Tulane (laughs) fan, if you remember the story. (laughs) 
Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, Joe Flacco, Mike White. You know, I just had an idea. <laughs> Taylor Heineke, Blaine Gabbert, Chase Daniel, Nick Mullins, Josh Johnson. Yes. Didn't Chase yes. Daniel retire? Is he still <laughs> Jeff Driscoll. Trace McSorley, Jared Stidham. So here's my idea. Woo! Let's go. We bring in 15 to 20 of those guys, <laughs> and we do a reality TV style like elimination series. <laughs> and that's how we decide our quarterback. That's my idea. <laughs> you would rather do that than have Andy Dalton come back? And yes, be the he's not invited. Everyone else is. <laughs> He can host it. He'd be a perfect host. No, he'd be terrible. No, he's got the great hair. He'd be terrible. He's the personality of wet cardboard. You need someone that's going to be dynamic. You can have Jameis host it. That would be more dynamic for sure. There would be no question about how entertaining that television series would be. Think about it. It's like Hard Knocks, but instead... Again, we're going to bring in 15 to 20 quarterbacks. Oh. Have them play. We'll have skills challenge. We could do it like vote them off the island style, or we could. I mean, oh, I'm open to different ideas on that. Gardner Minshew is available as well. He's an unrestricted free agent. Now, then you start. Let's go. How many guys do you bring in because they have a realistic chance to win the job? And then how many guys do you bring in for the entertainment factor? Oh, well, you got to half and half, right? You got to have half yeah. guys that could be legitimate guys that could, you know. Give like Gronk a shot in there at quarterback, too. <laughs> oh, he should host. He should host. Oh, he should host. He Gronk, Gronk should host for just just because he's Gronk. <laughs> so, oh man, there we go. Don't get Derek Carr. A plethora of options are at the Saints' disposal, including having Andy Dalton return to the team. Dawson hates this. He hates that idea. He knows I'm kind of right, though, because he knows how much Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael like Andy Dalton. And if they miss out on Derek Carr, oh, we'll just we'll bring it back with Andy. We trust Andy. Andy knows our offense. <laughs> He's so mad. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team. I got one college team. I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for. That's who I support. Period. Call me old-fashioned. Vian. Call me old-fashioned. That's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station. Uh, let's get to some comments about our conversation about who's going to be the future Saints quarterback. Salty Steve says Baker will put foot in the ICU. 
Carr is a loser. Jimmy G is okay, but coming off an injury. And why can't the Saints tank and draft the USC quarterback in 2024? When Breeze retired, he left with the Saints' hopes and dreams for the next 10 years. Please don't pay a retread quarterback. Tank for Caleb Williams in 24. I love the idea of getting Caleb Williams, but I want to just put it, it's not happening. The roster, and, and it's unfortunate, but the roster's too good to do that. And it's not great. It's just not bad enough to get Caleb Williams. No matter if you got Crawfish playing quarterback or not, you're not getting Caleb Williams. <laughs> oh, Sam Darnold. There's other options. How about Mitchell Trubisky? How would you feel about Mitch? I'd rather Baker, honestly. Oh, take that, former Bears savior. D'Lo says, get your mess out of here. I want Baker Mayfield. Man loves him some Baker Mayfield. Big Baker Mayfield guy is D'Lo. <laughs> he just hates even being in this position. He's like, oh, really? These are our options? Really? Come on. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with the great one, Jim Gonzalo. That's next. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, the New Orleans Pelicans get a win last night on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder as they are set in seventh place currently in the Western Conference standings. One more game to go before the All-Star break. That'll be tomorrow night in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers. And then there'll be 23 games after that. Zion Williamson will likely miss half of those games. What should your expectations be for the Pelicans in a very crowded Western Conference, where there's not that much separation, only a few games between the number three and the number four seed, all the way down to 10, 11. Should it be still trying to be a top four seed? Should it be a top six seed? <clears throat> or should it be they're headed to the play-in tournament? Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Also, we've talked plenty this morning about Raging Cajuns basketball, we touched on a little bit about LSU. And, of course, we talked about the prospects for the Saints at quarterback. <laughs> Interest, apparently, there is for Baker Mayfield. If they can't get Derek Carr, they'll just turn to Baker Mayfield or the litany of other great free agents available for the Saints. Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater. Case Keenum, Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, Joe Flacco, Mike White, Taylor Heineke, Chase Daniel, Nick Mullins, Josh Johnson, Jeff Driscoll. Dawson has come up with a great idea. If the Saints miss out on Derek Carr, they should simply hire, sign about 15 of these guys and let them have a reality dating show competition to see who can be the Saints quarterback to a glorious seven-win season. I'm here for it. Let's go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> but on a far more positive note on this Valentine's Day, 
edition of RP3 and Company are the McNeese Cowboys. Last week, they take down the top team in the Southland Conference. And then on Saturday, against another team that they're trying to battle to get into the conference tournament with, the UNO Privateers. They're down by 22 points at the break. And what does John Aiken's team do? Rallies, wins it at the end, two in a row for the Cowpokes. To break it all down for us, the man who covers the McNeese Cowboys for the Lake Charles American Press. He's also host of Poke Nation, our good friend, Jimmy G from LC, the great one, Jim Gozzolo. Jim, good morning. How are you, bud? Uh, love is in the air. It's Valentine's Day. Love I'm, is in I'm the a air. Sweetheart today. Oh, you're going to be a sweetheart today. You already took care of your wife, right? You, you're not a last minute guy. You went ahead, were proactive weeks ago, and took care of the plans, took care of the gifts for the wife. Correct? No. <laughs> Oh, Jimbo. <laughs> oh, Jimbo. Can't even lie about that. Uh, here, here's what, uh, let's fix the stage first. Why not just tank and go for uh, one of the young quarterbacks next year? You're not going to win it anyway. Just tank. Ah, bud, but they're not that way. The roster is too good for them to tank. Like, they really? have enough talent. They'd rather win seven games. Well, no, <laughs> you wouldn't rather just win seven games, but they have too many talented guys still on the roster for that to happen. That's the problem. That's the problem. They still have too many, way too many talented move guys. Them. Time to move them. Tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. Trade Alvin Kamara. Trade Marshawn Lattimore. Time to go. Find yes. someone that's willingly going to take Andres Pete and not have to be duped you, into doing it. You can't be mediocre forever. It's true. Well, you can. It's called the Washington football team slash commanders. Um, so sorry. No, sorry. The, no, no. Hey, you're a Bears fan, so you're 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 feeling my pain. I know tanking. <laughs> I know tanking. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All right, let's talk about the Cowboys. Well, uh, they they take down Southeastern, who's the best team in the conference, and then they come back from twenty two points down at halftime to beat UNO. Which one of those feats is the most impressive to you, Jim? I, I, I'm stunned by both. Um, I would say the 22 points down because they looked so bad. They always play the school always plays Southeastern well, so I thought that would be a game. The fact that they were only one and a half point underdogs was shocking, uh, but somebody knew something. So that I, I thought they'd play well there. The UNO game down 22. I didn't. I didn't see any. I didn't see any possibility. Um, I'm stunned that they could score that many points. Uh, I'm stunned that they could give up that fewer points. Uh, but one thing about them is they play hard. You want to say, bless their hearts, they play hard. There's just no talent. They play hard, and but this past week, they took down a team that they weren't supposed to beat, Right. And then they took down a team that they needed to beat. And here we sit. And after those two wins, Jim, they're currently in ninth place in the men's standings with only a few games to go to be able to get up to the eighth spot to be able to take part in the conference tournament that they're hosting there at the Legacy Center. How do you feel about their chances now that they've won back-to-back games? Better. Um, the thing is, they're only a game out of six. That's how jumbled the back end of this conference is. 
Um, but I, they have I, they have beaten Northwestern State, who leads the conference. They have beaten Southeastern, who was leading the conference. But they've also blown games to Houston Christian, Incarnate Word, um, Nichols. So I don't know where we sit with them except this. I think it would be nice if they make the tournament because the tournament's here. Uh, but I think it has no lasting effect on the program. Uh, they need to, they need an overhaul and they need it uh, because it, you can't keep doing this. Almost like the Saints, you can't keep going in the same direction and winning 10 games a year. They, they do have a couple of interesting games here. They have what I call three winnable games left on their schedule. They only have yeah. five games left. They take Incarnate Word, who's above them in the standings, but they're not a very good team. No. Texas A&M Corpus Christi is a pretty good team. So they got yeah. Incarnate Word at the Legacy Center Thursday, then Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Saturday, also at the Legacy Center. Then it's at Houston Christian, which is another team above them in the standings. That's a bad team, so you need to win that game as well. Then it's out Southeastern. It'll probably be a little bit different in Hammond. And then they wrap up the regular season on Wednesday, March the 1st, against UNO inside the Legacy Center. Yeah. How many games of those last five does John Aiken's team need to win, in your opinion, to punch their ticket to the conference tournament? Well, three gets them in. Two is going to be up to the tiebreakers and leave it up to other people, which is because they have a, the, the conference is a weird tiebreaker to where it depends on who actually is the better team and wins the league. So if Corpus were to win the league, <clears throat> Lamar would have the tiebreaker over McNeese. If Northwestern State wins the league, McNeese would have the tiebreaker. Same with Southeastern. So if you want to keep it in your own hands, I think you got to win all three because – Incarnate, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Houston Christian also plays Lamar twice. So you'll benefit from that game. Um, so three will get you in. Two will put you on the border. Um, I think if you only win one, you're not getting in. If you win none, obviously you're not getting in. Uh, but there are three winnable games. The problem with McNeese is that means there's also three losable games down the stretch. So um, it's I, I think it would be really interesting if they win three games and see if they get a sixth seed or a seventh seed and not the eighth seed. Uh, they won from the sixth seed, seventh seed last year in the tournament. I'd be interested to see what would happen. I don't think Southeastern wants to play them in the Legacy Center because they don't play well here. Um, but nobody else has, seen, has really shown a problem with playing McNeese in the Legacy Center. So. I don't know if that home court advantage is that big of a deal in the tournament. Right, because right now, Incarnate Word and Houston Christian both sit at 5-8 and eight in the conference standings. Yeah. Lamar and McNeese are right behind them at 4-9. and nine. So a win against Incarnate Word, you essentially would you jump up, almost maybe even flip positions there in yeah. the standings. So huge game on Thursday uh, there inside the Legacy Center. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo about all things McNeese Athletics. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's shift gears uh, quickly. What about the women's program? What do you make of where they stand right now with a handful of games left in the regular season? Uh, just as disappointing in, in some ways. Uh, lost two games this week uh, that were winnable. They get a rebound, they beat Southeastern. They get a layup, and they tie the game with 20 seconds left at UNO and probably go on to win that because they had momentum going their way. 
So they've also given up games, and, and they're, they're just doing it a little quieter because they have six wins already and they look to already be in the tournament. But they're also a program that needs to shift a little bit. They need to get a little more athletic. Um, they're a little bit too robotic in their actions and their movements. They need some athletes on the team to really kind of take that next step. I like some of their pieces. They just don't have all their pieces. Houston Christian, Northwestern State, McNeese are all six and seven in conference play with Incarnate Word and UNO right behind them, five and eight. Are the Cowgirls in danger of not making the conference tournament, in your opinion? I don't think so. I think they'll make the tournament. Uh, I think they'll get to seven. I think they'll get to eight wins at least, maybe nine. And I think they'll be in the middle grouping. Um, maybe be able to sneak in and get the four seed and get the last bye, but that's really about the best I think they can do. But I think they're pretty secure in getting in. They'd have to have a total collapse if they didn't. Give me your thoughts on the softball program and how they opened up the season there with the Calgary Classic. Good. Uh, the, the defense was really good. Uh, they go 4-1. and one. It is impressive. They had a little bit of power. Um, but offensively, they look like they, they're a team that can hit the ball and run. Uh, I don't know how much power they're going to have, but it's still early and it's not hot. So it, it's a little harder to judge. But they look like they can throw the ball and they can catch the ball. And those are two huge things. They can catch the ball, they can run, and they throw strikes. Um, anything else is a bonus. And we'll, we'll see how far they can go up the ladder. But um, they look to be off to one of their better starts even. Baseball season opens up this weekend there at Joe Miller Ballpark. What should the expectations be for Justin Hill's team? Hi. Uh, this is a team that is veteran-oriented, uh, returns eight players that are uh, all preseason first or second team. Uh, the best hitter comes back who didn't play last year. He's 25 years old, Trey Aubergine. Um, If he stays healthy, which he hasn't been able to do, he's a switch hitter. He's got some power. He hit, he's hit about 330, 340 the last two years when he's been in the lineup. Uh, he stretches out the lineup even longer than it was last year. So um, Brad Burkell is back. Josh Leslie shifts to shortstop. The question will be who closes for them because they lose Cameron Foster at the back end. Uh, but this is a team that's, that's primed to score runs. And when you have that and the pitcher of the year coming back in the league, uh, you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> they have enough arms. Do they have enough quality arms will be the question. All right, bud, we'll get you out of here with this talking about possible saviors for the Saints at the quarterback position. A guy that you yeah. were very high on, uh, was, as the kids call these days, that you were a stan of, Mitchell Trubisky, former Chicago Bears savior. Uh, what do you think about him coming to the Saints and saving the Houdat Nation? You're in trouble if he's your savior. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I, like, I like Mitch, but he's not, he's not as good as Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the guy out there if you're going to get somebody, um, you have no pieces to trade really because everybody wants draft picks. Uh, I, so I think that's your, that's your guy. If you can get him. Um, but I don't think he's coming there. I, I think now that he wants to be a free agent, he's going to go to highest bidder. And I think he's going to want to go to a situation where he thinks he's going to win. Um, but Mitch is a Mitch has potential. I don't know. The problem with Mitch is he's never been with a good coach. I don't know if Dennis Allen changes flips that. <laughs> How's that? 
<laughs> Dawson, you haven't really communicated with Jim, our good friend Jim Gozolo, our guest host extraordinaire, by the way, very much. Uh, go ahead and jump in here about uh, Mitchell Trubisky. I don't disagree with anything he said. I mean, I think I, I've kind of made that clear. <laughs> I told him, Jim, I said, if they miss out on Derek Carr, don't be surprised if the Saints bring back Andy Dalton. And I think it, he's reacted as if he just found out that his puppy is about to die. <laughs> it is not pleasant. He is not happy about the thought of seeing the red rifle in, in the Saints uniform for another season. Well, you get the same thing. At, at some point, you got to make a change. Here's the thing, though. You're battling over Bears quarterbacks. You're not doing well. <laughs> Well said, brother. Enjoy your day, bud. <laughs> All right. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'd have to think all the things I said to them. Um, I asked them, evaluate yourself individually on this big stage today and critique yourself. What can you do better next time you're on this big stage? Evaluate your teammates. Who did good today? If you thought you did good, raise your hand. And I think one kid raised her hand. Um, learn from it. I talked to them about guts and grit and just determination and not just play the game to be playing it. It, it you know, and... Um, Things like that. I told them, this is just one game. There's goals we have. And we've got to take tomorrow off and get ready for Ole Miss and um, be thankful that LSU was on this stage. Who in the world would have thought that we would be on this stage in year two of rebuilding the program? And you got to be a part of that. You got to be a part of that. You got to help us keep going and climbing to where we're someday where South Carolina is. It's Kim Mulkey, LSU women's basketball coach, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer. Following her team, let's be honest, they got drubbed by South Carolina. But Kim is very honest there. They're ahead of schedule. They are absolutely ahead of schedule. Where this program was to where it is now is light years ahead of schedule. The fact that they were undefeated in the middle of February and were ranked in the top three, no one saw that. No one projected that. No one predicted or projected that. I took those two words and tried to make them into one. Look at me this morning. And South Carolina is a great barometer. They are the best program in the country. They are the most battle-tested. 
They have players coming off the bench that give them double-doubles. How many women's basketball programs have that? Not many. Probably a few. They're the defending national champs. They have a great motivating head coach in Dawn Staley. They have all the talent in the world. And they've taken down Stanford, who's number two at the time. They've taken down Maryland, who's number seven at the time. They took down UCLA, who was 15 at the time. They took down UConn, who was number five at the time. And then they took down LSU, who was number three. I personally don't think South Carolina is going to lose. I think we're going to see an undefeated season by the Gamecocks. They're going to win the whole thing. They're just so much better than everyone else. They're more physical. They're more athletic. They have better depth. They have better scores than everyone else. But for LSU, this is not a wake-up call, but more of a, hey, this is where we still need to go. Like, we still have things that we need to improve on. We still need to get better. We still need to get more physical. And Mulkey talked about this game serving as somewhat of a wake-up call for her squad. I don't think it's a wake-up call, Chessa. I think it was a great gauge for me as a coach. If I play them again, there's things I wouldn't do. But I needed to let them go play. I needed to see freshmen in this moment. Um, I needed to to just say, okay, let's go see where we are. And I think we got a good gauge of where we are. Now, uh, certainly when you're on the road and you got 18,000 screaming fans, you're at a disadvantage. But um, it's uh, it was something for me that, you know, I learned about our team and our individual players as well. LSU is still a great team right now. They still appear to me to be a Final Four team. Because I think it's South Carolina and everybody else. So when you have that scenario where it's one team and then everybody else, you have a legitimate chance of making a run to the Final Four. Now, I think that the committee... How do I say this? I don't think they're going to be a one seed. The non-conference schedule hurts them in that regard. A lot of the other teams that are going to be vying to be a one seed or maybe a two seed have better resumes than LSU does. So that's going to hurt the Tigers. Once again, Kim didn't know what she was going to have when they made the schedule. Then she realized, oh, I got Angel Reese. She's great. She's going to be an All-American. Okay, well, we need to schedule different. I And I fully expect Kim's scheduling for the 2023-2024 season, a year that I think they probably can legitimately contend for a national title, to be far more difficult in non-conference. That's going to happen. They're probably a two-seed. That's going to make it a little bit tougher to get to the Final Four there in Dallas-Fort Worth, where they'll be playing it at the... um, was that American Airlines? That's where the Mavericks play and the Stars play. I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but I think they're going to have that chance. Now, it all depends on the draw. I thought they were going to be a Sweet 16 team a year ago, and then they end up playing poorly in the first game, winning it, but then losing in the second round. 
I still think they're a Final Four team, but it's going to depend on what the matchup is, right? But Dawson, Kim's an old-school coach. You take a loss like this, a humbling loss, you say, hey, you know what? We're not nearly where we need to be. we got things to work on. And you take that loss and you turn it into a positive for your team. And they're going to get tested. They have a tough game Thursday night, 8 o'clock tip at the PMAC their next-to-last home game against a pretty good Ole Miss team. So they're not going to have much time to kind of, you know, wallow in the fact that they got drubbed by South Carolina. Yeah, they didn't play particularly well the two games before South Carolina either. So I They were think, trending. That's right. They were trending kind of towards a bad performance. Yeah, so that's what – that's if you're going to be worried, that's why you're worried. And, and now it becomes can they avoid another letdown or – you know, they, they didn't lose any of those games, so I shouldn't say a letdown, but can you avoid now – uh, one of those kind of trap losses coming off of you know this tough challenge that they just faced and head into the SEC tournament and still carry the momentum that you had before this game and if you know if you go into the NCAA tournament with just two losses both being to South Carolina then yeah you'll probably be at worst a two seed so you'll be fine and then again that that means you're eventually going to have to beat some really good teams though and we'll find out what this team is but yeah, just the way the schedule's made up, we're not going to know. We're probably going to know less about LSU than any of the other top one, two, and three seeds in the tournament, just because they will have been challenged the least. Correct of those teams. So it, that will be interesting to see. That will be the question mark about them, because they haven't been as challenged as much as the other teams that are going to be in that conversation for one and two seeds. You're exactly correct. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if the uh, Lady Tigers can get back on track Thursday night against the Rebels inside the PMAC there in the next last home game for Kim Mulkey's squad this season. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll keep it with the basketball discussion, but we'll switch over to the Pelicans. Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, joins us next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. You guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, some breaking news. The Colts have named Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen as their new head football coach. Sports Illustrated is reporting that in the last five minutes. That was kind of expected. They talked about it during Super Bowl 57 that it looked like he was going to be the front runner for the Colts position and that the Eagles defensive coordinator looks like to be the front runner for the Arizona Cardinals vacancy as well. So some breaking news there when it comes to the NFL coaching cycle. Pelicans win last night. Hard-fought win. B.I. goes off 34 points, but their new addition, Richardson, gives them a spark as well on the defensive side of things as well as scoring 10 points coming off the bench. But that also goes along with the news that Zion probably won't be back until 
halfway through the rest of the season, right? He's probably going to not be back until sometime in March. To break it all down for us, the good and the bad, is our buddy Ollie Cassell from The Bird Rights. Ollie, good morning to you, bud. How are you this morning? Good morning, Raymond. I'm happy, right? The Pelicans won a game that I didn't expect them to win because the Thunder have been playing well, and they haven't. And the Pelicans, they haven't played well on the road, right? No, they have not been a good road team, and to, to get a hard-fought win on the road is impressive, and it definitely uh, puts a you know good taste in the mouth, so to speak, as we head towards the All-Star break. So, what'd you make of what you saw from this team? No C.J. McCollum last night as well for rest purposes. Uh, what'd you make of how Willie was able to uh, use utilize the lineup? And what'd you make of the new addition and how he played? Yeah, I like how they started, right? Pelicans, for some reason this season, more times than not, have started slowly out of the gates. And they haven't shown that energy, but... Brandon Ingram, right, took care of the scoring. Uh, I think he had, what, 14 of the first 17. They jumped out to a nice lead. And you like what you saw out of Jose Alvarado in the starting lineup in place of CJ. Um, and that kind of then started to snowball a little bit to where Jonas Valanciunas picked up the slack in the second quarter. And then you had Josh Richardson really make his mark in his first stint where he just did a little bit of everything, right? I didn't expect for his defense – to be as good as it was, right? I think a lot of people that follow the NBA know who he is. He's been in the league for eight, eight years, and he was a starter with the Miami Heat where he landed as a rookie. And people thought he was going to be a really good two-way player, but, you know, he kind of just fell off of that, you know, that I – don't, I don't want to say that his career dwindled into, you know, just being a regular replacement player, but that's what he kind of ended up being the last couple of years, right? Coming off the bench for a bad team in San Antonio. But he showed he's got a lot of game. Um, like I said, when Herb Jones went out early in that first quarter with his second foul, I thought the Pelicans were in trouble. But I'll tell you what, Josh came in and was able to drape Shea Gill just, just as well as Herb was for the most part, right? The Pelicans' entire defense did a good job. So I like the game plan by Willie, right? Brandon Ingram, your best star, comes out. Is, is aggressive offensively. And then they had a good game plan for Shea where they didn't let him beat him, right? They let him see a wall. So they had a good defender on him, but then they made sure, whether it's Jonas, whether it's somebody else, making sure that he wasn't just going to have to beat a single guy to get to the rim. And so they held him to, you know, below his uh, season average in points. And that was kind of what just, you know, they propelled the team to the victory. They just kept on playing as hard as they could, even though they got, what, overwhelmed on the boards, fast break points, second chance points, you name it. They had built up enough of a margin in the first half where they held on in the second. They have one more game before the All-Star break. That's tomorrow night in Los Angeles at the Staples Center or whatever they're calling the Staples Center now um, (laughs) against the Lakers. They're currently in seventh place in the standings. There is a log jam, but we expect Phoenix to improve. So I don't believe a top four seed is a realistic option for this team. But I think they could maybe sneak in as maybe a five or six seed if things go their way. Or they could easily be a play-in team because we just don't know when Zion's going to come back. Where do you side right now as we head towards the break for the Pels? Yeah, that I, I, I like your assessment i mean phoenix just landing kevin durant you've got to think you know they're already top four right they're fourth so they're not going to fall beyond that one would think and the kings 
have a little bit of a lead <clears throat> on uh, the rest of the pack, but I'm not certain that they're going to hold on to it. I could see either a Dallas, um, the Clippers, Warriors, or maybe even the Pels, somebody, you know, finish strongly to where they overtake them. Because remember, the Kings haven't suffered any kind of injuries. They have by far had the least amount to deal with this season. And I don't know whether you think the basketball cods say they're due. Could happen, could not. But their play hasn't been all that special of late. They've lost some games that they shouldn't have. So I'm not sure their spot in the top four is safe. But you're right. It's going to take something special from one of the teams in the back because there's enough of a cushion. And let's face it, nobody else is playing all that really well, right? There's nobody going 9-1, and 8-2 and two in their last 10. And that's, that's going to have to happen. And I'm not sure about the Pels. You know, just what was it, a week and a half ago, Raymond, we were wondering when they were going to win their first game, right, in a long time. And now they've won four or five. And I still really don't know who this team is. Can you be relied upon, right, Brandon Ingram finishing out the season, him having, you know, good supporting uh, shooters, scores, and, of course, the defense really showing up, playing for a full 48 minutes. Because if you remember, during the losing streak, that was a huge issue for him. So I don't know if even Willie knows what to expect. Because as you notice, Jonas Valanciunas had a heck of a second quarter, but yet he was kind of ineffective in the second half to where then – he had to limit his time. So I just don't know if this team's in its groove yet. And that's not going to happen until everybody can stay in the lineup for a while. And by that, I mean, you don't even have to rely on Zion for right now, but just everybody else. No more missed games for Herb, CJ, et cetera. Because these guys got to legitimately find a good rhythm. And if they do, then I could see it. If not, well, we're probably going to see more of the same, right? 500 type of ball. You know, you and I have talked about in the past, Ollie, about the schedule after the All-Star break is favorable more favorable for the Pelicans. But what also when I look at the schedule, it hits me like a ton of bricks. They have some tough road games. They're not a good road team. No one in the West is, really. And they have to play some tough opponents. I mean, I know they get the Rockets like on a back-to-back, which is great. But they play a lot of teams that are going to be in the same boat as them. So even though the, the schedule may be more favorable, they're still playing a lot of those middle-tier teams that are going to be jockeying for playoff positioning along with the Pelicans. Does that make you change kind of your thought process here, especially after the tread deadline, that the Pelicans are going to be playing a lot of other teams that are in the same boat as they are? Yeah, I'm afraid of the first six games out of the All-Star break. Five of them are on the road. And I think almost all the competition outside of the Toronto Raptors has a winning record or close to it. The Knicks, I think they're going to be a hard team to beat. Um, Josh Randall, or excuse me, um, <clears throat> Julius Randall's been a lot better this season, right? He looks like the guy that was, you know, there two years ago. Jalen Brunson's been spectacular. Now they added Josh Hart, who had 27 points. So on their home court, yeah, tough place to win. Damian Lillard just beat up on the Lakers, and the Pelicans have to face him. He can go off for 40 at any time. Then you got the Warriors and the Kings, so... I'm with you. I know what the schedule makers say or the odds makers because, you know, you look and there's not too many teams that are way above 500 that the Pels have left. But, man, it's all the same type of teams that the Pelicans currently have a record, right, with where you're around 500, where you can play decently a couple weeks, then maybe not so well in the following week. It just depends on if they catch those right breaks, right? But you've got to do well. You can't go, say, on that five uh, games away from Smoothie King Center, like, say, one and four you got to at least go hopefully two and three, and if not, something better. I know it's tough, but how can Pelicans fans 
be optimistic when the face of the franchise, the guy that they gave the max contract extension to, there's a very real possibility that he may not play again this season. And I know it's not his fault. It's not his fault that he gets hurt, right? I firmly believe that his frame just can't support the amount of muscle mass that it has on it. I just I just think his, his frame is just flawed in that regard, and the young man has no way of fixing that. It, 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 that's just what you know. That's what he's been given. How do Pelicans fans stay optimistic, Ollie? I, I guess because I, there's nothing that Griff and the company can say, right? Because it's yet another season that looks like it's possibly going to be lost without Zion. Yeah, it's tough because even myself, I was a little pessimistic when I wrote an article column yesterday on just it doesn't seem tenable, right? Where your two biggest stars always missing games, but especially Zion. But I'll tell you what, thinking about it over the last 24 hours, there are a couple things you can maybe hang your hat on. One, his second season, he played 61 out of 72 games. Um, so he kind of showed that he can last through the rigors of a regular season. And if you remember, he didn't take his health and fitness as seriously back then as he's doing now. Like I know as soon as he injured his hamstring, he's been in the gym trying to do uh, things that will help him maintain his conditioning. Right. He, of course, you can't run on a bad hamstring, but he's doing everything else that with upper body, with stuff where you're stationary. So that combined with still eating well gives you hope. Uh, and then also, look, he almost made it back. Right. He was advanced to three on three. And there was word that he was going to be back in another week had he not had that setback. That's why I think I had even mentioned on the show that there's a chance we'd seen before the all star break. So that means that he honestly had survived a lot of this ramp up until, you know, maybe it was one sharp, quick movement that got him. But the fact that he didn't break down immediately, maybe there's, you know, reason for hope there. And look, it's happened to other players, right? These hamstring tweaks, when, when, once you suffer that hamstring pull, it seems to happen again. It happened to Devin Booker this year, Paul George, Chris Paul's dealt with it for what like his last five, six, seven years on and off. James Harden, not this season, but the two prior years. And that kind of ruined Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets' hopes, right, of winning a championship. So it's not like it's uncommon, but, yeah, you're right. You just hope that for somebody that's missed a lot, significant time, first three of his four years of his career, that he can get past kind of this injury nexus, that he can figure out his body, the preventative techniques. Because otherwise, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but then you're what? You're looking at maybe another Kawhi Leonard situation where somebody's just going to have to be managed for the rest of his career just because his body really can't go through an 82-game schedule. Ollie, appreciate your time. As always, brother, enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week and uh, put – the first half or more than the first half of the season put a bow on that and talk the all-star break my friend absolutely my friend we'll talk soon let's hopefully their trajectory continues upwards despite the zion news right exactly my friend this is rp3 and company on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants 
with pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the LSU men's basketball team will try to get on track finally as they travel to Athens, Georgia tonight to take on the Bulldogs of UGA. Pre-game begins at 6.30. Tip is scheduled for 7. You can listen to all the action live right here on the game. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach Jim Cozzolo from the Lake Charles American Press and Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. Poll question of the day. What should the Pelicans' expectations be for the rest of the season? 56% of you say earn a top six seed. 26% say make the play-in tournament. 18% say earn a top four seed. Mr. Green has chimed in on Twitter. Top six is uh, the goal. Top four would be Lanyap. Baker's too much drama. College football will eventually evolve into NFL. College with divisions like the NFL. Group of five playing for bowl championship and FCS as is. So essentially, Jamie just took care of all of our topics that we discussed today on the show. Robert on Twitter says they're only a few games out of the three or four seed, so it's doable. But with the teams in the West getting better at the trade deadline, I think it will be top six. Darren says expect play-ins. Please don't expect nothing more than a first-round playoff exit anyway, no matter who's healthy. Even if the Hamburglar comes back, I don't see them winning anytime, any, anything anytime soon. The man called Zion the Hamburglar. <laughs> so uncalled for. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thanks to all who left their comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. For the producer, D'Lo, Dawson Iserlow, who is thrilled about the prospect of Baker Mayfield possibly coming to the Saints if they lose out on Derek Carr today, or our idea, if it happens, if they don't get Derek Carr and they somehow miss out on Baker Mayfield, Dawson and I came up with a tremendous idea a battle royale dating show of 15 quarterbacks that we named off for you <laughs> to see who can be the Saints quarterback. It'd be like hard knocks, and we could get Gronk to host it, right? I mean, Gronk would have fun in New Orleans. I mean, Gronk has fun anywhere. Gronk would have fun in Tupelo, Mississippi on a Tuesday. That's Gronk. That's going to do it for today's show. Remember, fellas, take care of you, lady. It's Valentine's Day. You should be taking care of her no matter if it's Valentine's Day or not, by the way. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.